Now I want you to take your copy of the scriptures, again being conscious uh, that there are those in the car park and those sitting online. We will endeavour to uh, keep our services somewhat shorter over these weeks. So I want to invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to the book of Exodus, please. Exodus. And we're reading from the chapter 8 this morning. Again, it is most providential uh, that we find ourselves studying uh, the plagues that were sent of God upon Egypt. And those were plagues sent primarily because of the people's sin. That's the context in which we're reading God's word this morning. So Exodus chapter 8. Let's commence our reading at the verse number 1, please. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go on to Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thy house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee and thy house, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow, and he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God, and the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Amen. We end our reading of the word of God there at the verse 15. So we're continuing then with our study of God 
working through the life of Moses. So yes, this all centers in around this man called Moses, but Moses was an ordinary man like anybody else. Yet the Lord was particularly and marvelously working through him. We're currently looking at the ten plagues that Egypt endured. We did the first one last week as we worked through uh, Moses' life as God used him. Then we come to the second plague here this morning. And of course, as a nation, as a world, we're going through our own plague for us here in Northern Ireland, a second wave. And there is no doubt as we look through the ten plagues of Egypt, there are relevant lessons for us to draw from, even though this happened Uh, Three and a half thousand, or even more than that, it happened thousands of years ago. Nevertheless, we have much here to learn for our circumstances in the day in which we live. These plagues would have brought Egypt to a far greater standstill, a real lockdown, much more severe than what we have been going through here in Northern Ireland. These plagues would have prevented all normality. It would have been a massive disruption. And yet it was God's will for these plagues to come upon the people. Just by way of definition, again, let me remind you what a plague is. A plague is a pestilence. It's an outbreak of some particular affliction. It may be pests. It may be sickness. It may be death and so on and so forth. But they were most uncomfortable and very challenging. And so we're going back, as I said, three and a half thousand years ago. 1,500 years before Christ. And here we have a people who are suffering greatly because of their sin. The culture has changed vastly since then. We're dealing with ancient Egypt here. But like I said... There's most relevant lessons for us to learn. These plagues were most unpleasant, but they grew in intensity in response to Pharaoh's resistance. The more that Pharaoh and the people of Egypt resisted, the more intense and severe the plagues actually became. You can't think about, help but think about our nation. In that there is much resistance and right now we are not turning to God. And the Lord would therefore be just to send plagues far worse than what we have and are currently going through at this time. So here's Pharaoh. And Pharaoh knew, uh, if you have been following us through the past few weeks, Pharaoh knew what God's will was. God had spoke to Pharaoh through Moses and told him to let the people go. He first of all told Pharaoh, let my people go and worship, and then they'll come back to you. But Pharaoh refused. And then the Lord said to Pharaoh, well, let my people go altogether. And Pharaoh again said no. And you know, that's most laughable, to be honest. Here's a man, a man of flesh, a man made of dust. And he hears the command of God to let my people go. And yet Pharaoh digs his heels in and says, no. Who did he think he was? He's only a man. 
And he is, in his view at least, denying, a puny man denying God's demand. The reality is, men and women, sin breeds senselessness. When the fall affected the human race, we lost much wisdom. And now, frail, finite man, made of dust, we would still, to this very day, puff ourselves up and say no to God's commands. It's ludicrous. Pharaoh obviously believed that God could not make him do what he wanted him to do. Because Pharaoh saw himself as being like a god. And that very mentality still lives to this very day. People see themselves as their own god. That they can do whatever they choose, whenever they choose. That lives in the hearts of men and women and children right to this very day. The Lord said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And few actually do that. And here we have a plague. And because of the plague, because of the current pandemic, what's been closed? The pubs, hospitality, and our shops. The very thing that people would use to disobey God with, the Lord has removed. And like I said, as we read through these plagues, you will see striking similarities. With our circumstances here today. Like Pharaoh. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. We have to learn the hard way sometimes. That we are not little gods. Indeed we are only but creatures. Who must be in subject to the creator. Even though that doesn't naturally come to sinful fallen men. Now. In our text this morning. Pharaoh. Pharaoh regrets the sin that caused the plagues. He knew full well that he was disobeying God. And because of his disobedience, the plague, in this case of frogs, came upon the land. And he regretted that. That's very different from repenting. He wasn't repenting of his sin. He was simply regretting the sin that caused The current suffering that he was going through. He's not mourning over sin. He's miserable because of sin. So here is a man. He's regretting the consequences of sin. And that's our title today. And maybe as you watch on. That summarizes your life. You regret the sins. That have produced the consequences that you now live in. And as a nation. Perhaps you regret all the breaking of the Sabbath day and our sins against God. It's not because you hate sin. It's because you miss the pleasures that has been removed. Firstly, this morning, I want to show you the plague that sin caused. The first plague, we saw it last week, was turning the river Nile into blood. And from that plague, we learned very clearly that making an idol of blessing will inevitably cause that idol to come crashing down and to be a curse upon you. The Lord had blessed the Egyptians with the river Nile to refresh them. 
uh, to water their fields and to do them good. And instead of thanking God for his blessing, they treated that blessing as a god, literally. And so the Lord turned the river Nile into blood. And the Lord has an ability to do that with all of our idolatry. So be cautious. Give God thanks for his blessings, but never worship the blessing. The second plague then is or was an infestation of frogs. And that's most strange. Why frogs? The Nile was full of serpents, of crocodiles, of animals, creatures that were most dangerous. And yet the Lord sent the frogs. Why was that? Well, remember the reason. Initially, as these plagues begin, the reason was not destruction, but demonstration. The Lord was demonstrating to these people that he was and still is the true and living God. Now, of course, Pharaoh defies the Lord. Therefore, the plagues increase in the severity and they go from things like frogs to death right across the land. Defiance never brings blessing. Pharaoh essentially invites suffering. He invites the eventual doom of himself and his nation by resisting a good and a gracious God. And you know, this morning, as you sit in your home or you sit outside in the car park, this may be your very way of living. You're resisting God. And therefore you are inviting suffering. And you are inviting the condemnation of God. And you are inviting eternal doom upon your soul. As a nation, is that not exactly what we are doing? As we defy a good and a gracious God. So, why frogs? Why frogs? Well, Exodus chapter 8 and the verse number 10 tells us why. Verse number 10 says, And he said, Tomorrow, and he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And so Moses is speaking here to Pharaoh. And he says to Pharaoh that he will remove the frogs. And by this, Pharaoh will know that there is no God like unto Jehovah our God. That was Moses' words. So the frogs came to prove that Jehovah was the true God. Now, you may understandably struggle with that logic. How could sending frogs to infest the land and remove them again, how could that ever prove that Jehovah was the true and the living God? Well, here's why. The people of that nation, they worshipped the frog. Now, again, that might sound strange to you and me, uh, but... That was the case in that day. They worshipped the very frogs that were in the River Nile. And the reason for that, we believe, is this. Every year the River Nile would have flooded its banks. 
and the flood would have went into the, the fields and apparently there was a, a maze of channels that the people had dug so that the water would run through the channels and water the length of the land. An incredible feat of ingenuity in that day. But when the floods came and when they uh, departed, they would have left frogs. And the people therefore saw the frogs as being a blessing from their God that would bring fertility to the land. It would bring about the growth of their crops and the germination of their seed. And therefore to thank this supposed God for giving them prosperity in their agriculture, well, they worshipped the God who sent the frogs. That would seem to be their logic. Now, the frog uh, God that they worshipped, they had an idol for that particular God. And unfortunately for that idol, uh, it had the, the face or the head of a frog, so it wasn't known for its beauty by any stretch of the imagination. Because it had to do with the giving of life, they made it a goddess. So it was a goddess who had a head the shape of the frog. And the people would literally go and worship before that idol. And its name was Heket. Apparently, it was called Heket. So Heket is the next false god on the true god's hit list. He's demonstrating to the Egyptians that this false deity that you worship is no God at all. And that was the case with all of these plagues. The Lord was removing the things that they worshipped. And dear men and women, as you watch on this morning, the Lord often does that with you. He removes the things that you love more than him. And that's right and good. That you might turn away from your sin and from your idolatry. And instead of defying God, you'd enter into relation, a loving relationship with the Lord. And enter into heaven every more on the final analysis. So Moses and Aaron, watch how this plays out. Moses and Aaron, they go and they take the rod that God had given them. And remember, that rod was there for a reason. They would stretch out the rod. Moses and Aaron were always doing this. They would stretch out the rod. If there was no rod being stretched out, there would have been no plague. And I think that was to prevent the people worshipping Moses and Aaron. The power didn't reside in Moses. It didn't reside in Aaron. It seemed to be in this rod that God had given them. And that was the symbol of God moving and God blessing. And so when the rod was lifted, we're told here that the Frogs began to infest the land. And we're not told whether or not God created an abundance of frogs or he simply assembled all of the frogs that were in the river Nile. Either way, the land was infested. And although this wasn't a particularly deadly plague, it was most gruesome indeed. That's fair to say. This was set to be an unpleasant experience because, well... You know, frogs aren't exactly known for their beauty. And they're not exactly known for their sweet-sounding voice when they sing. Nor are they known for their cleanliness or for their hygiene. This was set to be a gruesome experience for the people. 
and they would be absolutely everywhere. If you read verse 3 and verse 4 with me, we're told something of the uh, nature of this. Verse 3, And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens. And into thy kneading troughs. So whether you're sleeping at night. Or you're cooking through the day. Or you're a servant. They're going to be absolutely everywhere. And the frogs shall come up both on thee. And upon thy people. And upon all thy servants. And no doubt they would have carried disease and sickness. And there would have been uh, sickness and lack of health undoubtedly. So this was all caused. Simply. Because of the people's sin. That they were defying God. And worshipping other things in place of God. The plague that sin caused. Secondly, the plague that Pharaoh regretted. We only have two thoughts this morning for the sake of time. Let's think about this plague then that Pharaoh regretted. The land is now full of frogs. And no doubt at this time all the priests of Heket would have been praying and pleading before their idol to remove these frogs. And by the way, we're told that it was illegal. It was forbidden in that day to kill a frog because they were sent by this God. And so they couldn't even handle the very infestation that was all around them. And so as the priests would have been crying to their God, well, that wouldn't have been very successful. You know why? Because the god Heket didn't even exist. It was a figment of their imagination. It's quite like Second Kings 18 there, where Elijah went up Mount Carmel. And as he did so, all the prophets of Baal gathered as well. And for hours, the prophets of Baal were calling upon their God. And they were cutting themselves for their God to come and to show his glory. But you know what? Nothing happened because Baal isn't real. He doesn't exist. Neither did Heket. There is only one true and living God. Who can fulfill, who can bless, who can save, who can take us home to glory. Who has created everything and who rightly demands and deserves our worship and our adoration. Now, if you go with me in our text, chapter 8 of Exodus, let's move down to the verse 7. And the verse 7 says, and the magicians did so with their enchantments. And brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So here's the magicians. And what are they doing? Well, Pharaoh has called for them to come and to help. And what's the problem? We saw it last week. What's the problem with going to the devil? And what's the problem with going to the world and the flesh? Going to occult behavior? What's the problem with turning away from God and looking to a cure somewhere else? I'll tell you the problem. It will always, 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 100% of the time, without exception, make things worse. And here's Pharaoh's magicians. And what do they do? They come with all of their uh, techniques and wisdom, so-called, and they bring out more frogs out of the River Nile. And that was helpful, of course, because the land was already infested, and now they add to the crisis. On other occasions, you know, when Pharaoh saw his magicians doing the same thing, 
We're told that it, he hardened his heart. Or sorry, we're, we're told, yes, we're told that he hardened his heart against God. This demonstration that these men did convinced them that Moses' God wasn't all that significant. But this time it's different. Because it's very clear that Pharaoh has become exasperated by his magicians and by his wise men. All they're doing is making things worse. And that's the case with many individuals, and maybe with you, as you watch or listen on. Sometimes people come into a crisis in their life, and what's the first thing they they run to? The alcohol. And does that ever make things better? Only makes things worse. Or people will run away from God to some other substance or some other sin that might distract them for a little while. And you have known by your own personal experience, it only ever makes things worse. And maybe today as you watch on, you're like Pharaoh. You're exasperated by the drink, by the drugs by your friendships, by your relationships, or whatever it may be. What did Pharaoh do? He maybe did the same thing you're doing now. You run to God for a quick fix. To pull you out of the present crisis. Maybe that's the case of many people in our land today. They're just looking to God to pull us out of a current crisis and that's it. Well, Aaron and Moses. They were God's servants, of course. And what does Pharaoh do? Well, go to verse number 8 with me here. Verse number 8. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And so Pharaoh now turns away from his magicians. And he's looking to help from someone else now. And indeed, he calls upon God's servants. And he says to God's servants, pray for me. Maybe you've done the very same thing. In the time of crisis, you've went to a believer that you know, a Christian. And you've said to them, pray for me. Help me. That your God would deliver me. What happens? Well, sure enough, your circumstances change. It appears that God, in favorable providence, delivers you from your current crisis. And what do you do then? Do you run to God, worship, glorify Him, and keep your promises? No. You do the exact same thing that Pharaoh did thousands of years ago. Let's see what Pharaoh does. Moses and Aaron, they do pray. And the Lord lifts from the nation this plague. Come down to verse 15. Here's Pharaoh's response. The man who looked to God's servants to pray for him for help. And God helps. Verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite. He hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them. Is that what you do? The Lord delivers you. The Lord does help you. People of God are praying for you. And as soon as you're delivered, and as soon as your circumstances improve, you forget all about Jehovah. You forget about this God of the book. 
You don't go with thanksgiving. You know, if we had time, and maybe let's just take a moment to do so, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. And with this, we, we will close. In Luke's Gospel, and the chapter 18, sorry, chapter 17, here's a similar situation. This is the same God, now walking amongst men. The same God who sent the plagues is Jesus Christ here. And he walks amongst men. He comes into a particular city. Verse 11. And it came to pass of Luke 17. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem. That he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers. Which stood afar off. Here's ten lepers. They're plagued with leprosy. And they lifted up their voices and said. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto Pharaoh. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, just one, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Just one of them. Verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Where there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Here were ten men infected. And only one came back after they were cured to give God glory. And there's a name for those Nine other individuals. In fact, there's, there's several terms and names we could use. Like unthankful, ungrateful, and undeserving. Could that be your situation this morning? The way you have behaved before God is nothing short of ungrateful, unthankful. And you're undeserving of any more blessings from God. That's how our land stands this morning. We have been unthankful, ungrateful, and we are not deserving of more blessings from God. That's the reality. Anything short of being dipped into eternal hell is a grace. Men and women as individuals, I would encourage you to not be like Pharaoh, who simply regretted the consequences of his sin, who was just miserable because of his present situation rather than mourning over sin and I would encourage you today to acknowledge the demonstrations that you have seen that God is real and you know in your heart that Jehovah the God of this book is real I would encourage you then this morning not to forget about him but to bow down and worship before him to live in obedience to him And to enter into all the joys of the gospel. And live a life whereby you know your sins are forgiven. And you're heading to heaven. So rather today than defying God. It's time to submit. And enter into the joys of salvation. Let's bow please in a word of prayer this morning. Thank you for watching in or for attending in the church premises here. The Car park outside. We will be again tonight in the same format at 6 30. 
And do join with us, if at all possible. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, Lord, we all have this tendency to be more like Pharaoh than we would want to be. Lord, we pray that even through thy word this morning you'd put your finger upon people's sins. And Lord, that rather than just regretting our circumstances, that they would repent of their sin and turn to thee. No more defiance, but absolute acceptance of thee as their God and King. Oh Lord, we pray, rather than hearts being hardened, that hearts would be softened. And Lord, that even our nation in these difficult days would turn to God. And so as the word of God is preached online and whatever means today, Lord, bless your word and extend your kingdom. Be with us now. Separate us, Lord, with thy blessing and with thy favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.